Hello, and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast, your source for architecture and interior design news, interviews, and opinions. I'm your host, Robert Yeminen, and I'm glad you've tuned in to today's episode, in which I have an important conversation with Allison Wolf of Shaw Contract and Phoebe Stein with the Ageless Living Collaborative about the senior living market. As we all know, senior living and assisted living were hit hard by the pandemic. But now that the proverbial dust has settled, I thought it would be helpful to find out where things sit and what interior designers need to consider when designing and specifying for this market. Wolfenstein offers some valuable insights on the trends and issues facing senior and assisted living facilities on this episode, and will also be part of an in-person panel discussion on September 14th in Atlanta at the Shaw Showroom as the official kickoff to an ongoing in-person series going into 2023 that you don't want to miss. Until then, check out our conversation and be sure to stay tuned to the end for more information on the Ageless Living Collaborative's live event series. Have a listen. Well, hi, Phoebe. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Robert. Thanks so much for having us. We're really excited to talk about our topic today. Yes, thank you, Robert. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's a pleasure to have you both. Um, so where are you each dialing in from, just to kind of get a sense of, of where you're at? Uh, Phoebe, uh, where are you? I am in Chicago, where it is absolutely gorgeous and blue skies. And, uh, you know, this is our favorite time of year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Allison? I'm just north of Atlanta in a little community called Cartersville, and we actually had a morning in the 60s. So for Atlanta, nice. that's pretty good at the beginning of September. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually up in the hills not far from you in uh, Murphy, North Carolina. I think it was 57 this morning. So, yeah, beautiful weather. Can't can't complain. Great end to the summer, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you both, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do? Um, Allison, why don't you go first? Okay, so I'm Allison Wolf. I'm the director of senior living and healthcare for Shaw Contract. We're a flooring provider. Um, that focuses on, in my role, just senior living and healthcare, but we also service into the entire commercial industry from corporate workplace to hotels, hospitality, and then also into the retail environment. So in my role, I work with products and applications and also marketing. Perfect. What about you, Phoebe? I am Phoebe Stein. I have a branding and strategic marketing firm called Olive Presents, and we work primarily in hospitality and senior living. And through that, I co-founded with David Ashen an organization called the Ageless Living Collaborative, which is completely dedicated to optimizing life for seniors in multitudes of environments from aging in place to uh, the various community typographies. And Ageless Living Collaborative came to be uh, during COVID. So it's one good thing that came out of COVID. And we were just a group of concerned designers and um uh, manufacturers who really wanted to kind of turn things around because the senior living community was getting a black eye uh, due to a lot of negative media coverage. But the problems were real. And we wanted to see how we as leaders in senior living could make it better. So that's how Ageless Living Collaborative came to be. And uh, we started doing webinars every month on various topics that were relevant to people who were dealing with 
isolation and and how to do things themselves, various tools, uh, design elements. And we got quite a, a, a following and we became a 501c3 early this year. And uh, we're going to start doing some live events, which is why we're here today. Our, our yes. first event is going to be at Shaw in Atlanta on September 14th. Yeah, definitely. No, and that's exactly what prompted our conversation today. I heard about the panel discussion you'll you'll be having. And unfortunately, I can't attend in person, but I'm grateful that you're both willing to uh, be here and talk about uh, the topic, the senior living and trends uh, ahead of the panel. Uh, so I don't have to suffer from FOMO, you know, the, the fear of missing out, as they say. <laughs> Very popular these days, but I'm glad we get to, to have this uh, conversation. So um, I wanted to kick things off by talking about the senior living market from sort of a big, big picture perspective, then we can kind of drill down from there. But so where are we in the current moment in senior living? I mean, obviously, that was one of the markets that really got hit hard by the pandemic. What has changed since then? Um, where, where do you see things uh, as they are today? Well, a lot has changed since then, um, particularly cost of staffing, right? Staffing's increased tremendously. Um, harder for the traditional communities to uh, manage staffing because that was uh, one of the casualties of the pandemic. You know, we had members of uh, care teams who were going from community to community and thereby unknowingly spreading, uh, you know, the virus. So things changed dramatically when everybody realized uh, what was happening. And so because of that, and because many, uh, most communities want to have their own staff, not traveling staff, uh, you know, that cost doesn't increase quite a bit. And the other piece that's very different since that time is that skilled nursing is really disappearing because it did get such a black eye and there were issues with it prior to pandemic. And pandemic only brought those to light. And um, that is an element that's really disappearing. And, you know, it's an evolution, right? It's an evolution of an industry. And in this case, there are better things ahead for people. So, uh, you know, we have a very different look at, say, assisted living now, post-pandemic, mm -hmm. and memory care. And, uh, you know, we can get more into that if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would just add to that, you know, these environments, regardless of their size, they are homes. They're places where people live. And everyone has so much emotion attached to their homes. And what owners, operators, staff, even the REITs that are involved in, in senior living are all facing right now is that people are demanding choice. And that kind of brings us to the topic we're going to talk about in Atlanta, all these different topologies that are entering into the conversation, but it really is driven by that desire for the resident to have choice about how they live, where they live, um, the types of care that they receive and how they communicate inside, outside with their caregiver, with their family. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we will talk some more about those typologies uh, in a moment. But uh, what do you see as being the current challenges that interior designers are facing in this market? I know you touched on some of the things that have uh, have changed since the pandemic. But what, what are what are the current or, you know, really kind of big picture uh, uh, topics that that are that are making it um, it may be difficult for for some of these designers to to create these environments for uh, senior living and assisted living? 
Well, I think that Allison just touched on it a little bit, but it's really about understanding how people define home. You know, mm. is it a concept? Uh, what makes them feel good about their environment and what makes them want to go to another environment? Uh, you know, there, there are some shifts in perception right now. Um, and of course, we, the typologies that Allison mentioned and what we will really delve into on the 14th, um, are kind of leading that, you know, we now have options and some people never wanted to leave their homes. Right. Um, and they stayed, um, you know, whether or not it was a good idea, um, despite pleadings from family members. Uh, but now they have so many options that maybe there is a place for them, um, you know, to move out of the house they lived in for 30 years. And, you know, the biggest benefit from that, of course, would be that if they leave that environment, then they can combat the isolation that comes with being elderly and living alone, right? Because you get engagement when you're at a community of some sort, be it independent living, assisted living, whether you're in a small house model, um, you know, multi-generational, it doesn't matter what the model is. Once you leave your house and that one caregiver who's coming in, you're now combating things that are really important to your overall health. And isolation certainly is at the top of the list when you're aging, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we also saw, you know, when one market slows down, another one kind of picks up steam. And case in point, when hospitality work started to slow a little bit during the pandemic, um, we saw so many new designers who traditionally had focused on that type of work, hotels, resorts, destination, kind of change over to look at senior living and to begin to work on projects. And um, it's been great. The new influence has opened up a whole new innovative approach to the spaces, but it's also been a challenge because senior living is very technical Um, And that's one of the things that I think the work of the ALC has been so beneficial in is just providing daylight to the different types of concerns that happen inside of a senior space, but also welcoming of these different perspectives that create these experiential, um, very hospitality focused spaces. Sure. Yeah. You Um, know, one of one of the ways that that is certainly uh, front and center these days is that, you know, the newer or even the renovated um, senior living communities are offering things like design cafes, right, Um, that make the communities more welcoming. That's certainly something that was brought over from the hospitality folks, right? And, you know, bringing those elements in, it makes it almost a full service, right? So if you think about hospitality in a full service hotel, right? Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you've got a community with all of these elements that make it a lot more interesting and engaging for people and for their family members to come visit. Yeah, definitely. And it has been interesting to see how some of these markets have crossed over, um, you know, hospitality influencing um, uh, senior living, assisted living, uh, that sort of thing. Um, that seems to be a trend that we, we've noticed for, for a number of years. What other trends do you see emerging in senior living and assisted, assisted living facilities right now? And what, what do you see as being some of the drivers behind those? So one of the big what? things we've consistently seen is in and around technology. 
mm-hmm. um, whether that's investment in technology and also acceptance of technology from the residents and the staff. Um, technology changed everything for all of us, and it's definitely <laughs> no different for seniors. Right. Um, technology is helping them get better care, feel connected when they're disconnected. It can improve the work of employees and staffs. Um, so technology is, is one of the big things that we're seeing. And we're seeing it in very large footprints, such as flooring that lets you know if somebody has fallen, right. to small wearable items. And it's no longer, okay, get grandma to hang a pendant on her that she can push the button and say, help me, I've fallen, right? So now we have biometrics and watches that can give, uh, you know, people their whole profile uh, health profile from blood pressure to, you know, even if they're a cardiac patient, they can use their iPhone and have a device with an EKG on it. Um, it will tell you much more than steps, right? And there are mm-hmm. people who are coming to the marketplace with these really remarkable watches that are, um, you know, very cost efficient and also very healthy for people, no matter which environment they choose to live in, be it a community or independently. So the technology is really, really critical um, to the safety and well-being of seniors, no matter where they're living. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I and I can attest to the fact that I'm pretty much obsessed with the data that my my Fitbit gives me. You know, always checking on the steps, <laughs> heart rate, sleep right? patterns. Yeah, it, it is. It's fascinating. It's amazing to see how technology can help um, create uh, these these environments that are going to be more um, helpful for the caregivers as well as for the patients themselves. Yeah, um, and the, the floor plans are changing too. Um, you know, we saw the you know a lot of smaller spaces being created where they used to be larger spaces, maybe in a larger community. So it'll accommodate smaller groups of people so that they can prepare for a situation maybe where groups can't congregate. Um, And they're also designing all around, as Phoebe mentioned, to eliminate isolation. So those are definitely changing in the new builds. We're seeing a lot of that implemented. Um, Renovation is even trying to implement some of that in their floor plans, too. And, you know, we're trying to create family friendly spaces, right, because the old model was you go see uh, your family member in their tiny apartment and it gets very crowded very quickly or you're sitting in the lobby. And so what the renovations and the new builds all seem to have in common is these family friendly spaces, even down to having dining rooms where if you want to eat with, you know, your family member at their home, because it is certainly their home, um, then you guys can have a private dining experience. And so there are a lot of uh, new additions to it that make it a much more desirable environment for folks who have maybe previously resisted it. Um, One of the design challenges that you know, should be mentioned, though, we talk about all of these beautiful new communities, but there are also challenges that need to be met for moderate to low income. And I always want to bring that into the fold. Am I still with you? Yes, Uh, absolutely. We need to make sure that the folks who aren't in, say, the upper 5% can also have a really wonderful place to live and feel proud of that environment, right? So, uh, you know, that's one of our bigger challenges, too. But, you know, interestingly, um, 
the communities are trying to get people to move in at an earlier age. And we've kind of been in that 80 plus age for a while. And that's when people were transitioning into senior living. But now um, all of a sudden it's changed to more uh, folks in their mid seventies, which is a very interesting change. And based on, uh, I think it was, I saw in the New York Times, I think it was run everywhere. There's a new age expectancy uh, chart out. Mm -hmm. And uh, the past two years, it has been significantly different than five to 10 years ago, which was showing uh, age expectancy to be well into the 80s. Now it is at 76. So for the second year in a row, uh, the age expectancy uh, in the U.S. has has dropped. So I can't help but think that that's going to impact senior living communities and the census of those communities and people's willingness to move in at an earlier uh, age. Right. You know, yeah, that's, they, a, that's a really good point, Phoebe. I saw that as well and was was wondering how that might play out. And and it's specifically across the different typologies in this market, right? I mean, and which is what mm-hmm. you're going to be discussing in the panel discussion, um, right. you know, aging in place and assisted living and multi-generational. Uh, how do you see those then playing out and how might th- some of these new, um, you know, life expectancy statistics uh, influence that? Well, I think that, you know, for me, it depends on really what the um, age scenario is in your immediate family, right? So some people have kids early on and they are now empty nesters in their 50s, right? Or 60s. But some people had kids later. Now they're empty nesters in their 60s and 70s. And I think that plays into it a little bit, right? Um, but we've got multi-generational coming on, which was around before there was a name for it. <laughs> and then it was kind of abandoned um, in the U.S., but not really abroad. And it's coming back. And that's a good thing because now we have generations learning from one another. But there's a model called the small house model, which is getting um, a lot of uh, talk and, and understanding for its benefits. And they call it the small house model, but I jokingly uh, say to the folks who are operators of that model, you know, it's like a older commune, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because everybody <laughs> contributes to, uh, you know, the workings of it. It may be somebody is, you know, a great gardener and they're taking care of the garden in that community. And somebody else wants to, you know, make Sunday sauce because they have for the last 40 years. And so people really contribute in that model. And so that's an active model that uh, doesn't feel as maybe threatening um, that you're losing a part of yourself if you go to that. So I think that at this point, we have so many models that there's pretty much something for everyone. And then there are all these niche uh, markets for senior living that are coming online right now. And that's exciting for people who just want to be with, you know, folks that they're comfortable with. Right. And they don't want to go into a completely new environment um, where they don't think that they might mesh. So I think there's been enough change and enough brought online that there's kind of something for everyone at this point. Yeah, it goes back to that that conversation we were having about choice. I just had an opportunity to visit a beautiful community. Um, hopefully some people have heard about it, but it's called Serenby. It's it's just past the city of Atlanta, kind of close to the airport. And they it's a residential community, work, live, play. 
um, kind of situation. And it's very sustainable in the way that it's built. But but they were selling homes that were targeted to 55 plus. And the um, developer was sharing with me that when they had that 55 plus sign on these homes, he sold zero. But the day they took that marker off of the homes and the homes were just kind of built right in the middle of all of the rest of the residential homes. They were integrated all in. The day they took the 55 plus sign down, they sold all of the homes to people who were over the age of 55. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Right across Uh the street, they're building these um, these beautiful buildings that are meant for people to go and live and age in place. So they're going to have an, you know, an option to be around people, around children, around, you know, active work, around restaurants. And then when it gets to be too much to maintain your own property, they can just move a little bit further down the street and, and live somewhere else. So these models are playing out in all different kinds of ways and just really providing choice and eliminating that fear. I think that has always been associated with, you know, I have to go somewhere else other than my home. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like great, I think it's, it's we're more looking at lifestyle alternatives, I think. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because there are active options, there are less active options. But what we are trying to get away from and I think we have successfully done uh, is getting away from that concept that this is your last address. Right. Mm-hmm. In a in a rather grim manner. Uh, I think now seniors are looking at some really great active environments that can fit their needs. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about some of these different environments, what would you say are some of the key considerations design professionals should keep in mind when they're looking at designing and specifying for these uh, senior living environments and assisted living, multi-generational, perhaps specifically even as it relates to flooring? Uh, Allison, I know that's, that's your area if you want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so everything has to be centered around what a senior needs. So when we think specifically about issues that we know they're facing, one of them is the aging eye. Um, what they can see, if, you know, are they do they have macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy? What does their frame of view look like? How clear is their vision? Um, because seniors really perceive their environment around the edges of the space. So anything that you put in from a flooring perspective should not lead them to question or be fearful. So thinking about the colors that we use and, you know, sometimes we use color to indicate you go here, you stop here, um, you, you know, have a wall here. We just have to make sure that they can see those colors in enough of a way that they can get those cues. And then outside of flooring, you know, everything has to be sturdy, stable, cleanable. It really has to just be designed around what a senior needs. And those needs are different depending on if they are independent living um, and they're active, right, or assisted living or memory care, because memory care changes the whole dynamic, right? right? Because not only are we talking about the colors, as Allison mentioned, but we're also talking about artwork and what is that conveying? What is the message behind that artwork? Because in memory care, that becomes an issue as well. Um, You know, we did a recent uh, conversation in the Ageless Living Collaborative about spaces and design. And one of the things about memory care that really um, spoke to me because I'd never thought about it was how oftentimes there's wall covering that depicts an imagery. Well, for memory care, those folks 
might actually think they're in that imagery. So you have to be really careful that they don't think that they can walk through and into it, right? Uh, you know, it's probably not the best idea in memory care to uh, make the cab of an elevator or the elevator doors uh, blend in. You know, you want to call it out for what it is. So there's some different uh, things that happen around that piece as well. So each element needs to be taken into consideration, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then we we have to look at design in independent living as how much of that will actually really be independent because some people don't want to leave independent living and go to assisted living, right? So they would instead bring in a caregiver. And now that dynamic is a little different. And now you do have walkers and you have wheelchairs where you thought that they would migrate to assisted living. They don't always. So you have to make sure that you're designing for that as well. Sure, Along yeah. the walls, the hallways, you know, all that type of thing. Right. Yeah. Lots of considerations to keep in mind for sure. Um, mm -hmm. What other topics or issues do you see coming to the forefront of this market that we haven't uh, touched on yet? Well, I think that we've got some great strides happening in case goods, uh, you know, and it's remarkable because as we get older, um, seat height and arms on chairs are things that, and we're all pretty uh, ambulatory, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, but we realize how important they are and how they make life easier. And so now we have case goods that have really responded to the call and they're beautiful too. So the evolution of, of um, you know, the things that make an environment really beautiful and also operationally sound, it's happening now. And I think that's a, that's a big point uh, because it used to look very institutional, some of the furniture, right? Now it doesn't. So I think yeah. those are some real changes, right, Allison? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, every designer in this space, whether you're designing a product or you're designing a community or a small home, the people that work in these spaces are really passionate about the people in, in senior living, whether it is the seniors themselves, the staff. It's like a passion project. So it's been so fulfilling to work with the Ageless Living Collaborative, to meet some of their um, collaborators and work with them. And all of the manufacturers of products are coming on board. And it's it's just like Phoebe said, when you look at them, our mission is that we don't want you to know that this was designed for a particular use, purpose or condition. We want you exactly. to look at it and see beauty and just know that it's going to work. And we're really starting to see everyone come to the table on that. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. Perfectly sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wonderful. OK, well, last question for you both. Um, where can our listeners go to find more information about your upcoming panel discussion, which uh, I believe is going to extend into 2023 as well? Uh, more events, correct? Yes, yes. We're going to be um, holding quarterly Ageless Living Collaborative live events. Uh, we have four scheduled for 2023. All of them will be uh, graciously hosted at uh, Shaw showrooms around the country. Mm -hmm. And if you are a member of the Ageless Living Collaborative, which you can do by going to the website, 
we make it very easy. It's Apple Pay, <laughs> Every, everybody's <laughs> favorite. Um, AgelessLivingCollaborative.org. Uh, become a member today and you'll have a discounted price for the live events. Uh, we also will be, in some cases, having either audio or uh, full live stream um, after the events. So that's going to be an exciting addition. And then the Ageless Living Collaborative uh, continues their work in webinars uh, throughout the year. And you can find past webinars on our YouTube channel. So definitely subscribe to the Ageless Living Collaborative YouTube channel and you'll have access to all those webinars or go to the website. They're also ha housed uh, on our website. Yeah, we're excited perfect. to bring it. We're going to go to um, Dallas. Well, we haven't actually announced all the locations yet, but East, West and all in the middle, Dallas, yeah. New York, San Francisco, all the great places. So it should be fantastic. Yeah, we're excited. We'll kick off 2023 in Dallas. So there's there's the tease on that. All right. <laughs> Perfect. And and I'm going to make it to one of these. I promise uh, I just couldn't make it to Atlanta, but that's OK. There's going to be plenty more. And uh, thank you. I'm, I'm so glad that you both were here uh, for sharing your insights with our audience. I really appreciate it, Allison and Phoebe. Thanks again. Yes. Thank, thank you, you, Robert. Absolutely. Well, for our listeners out there, please support the podcast by subscribing to I Hear Design and give us a rating. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone. Mm -hmm.